I'm Claire Parker. And I'm Ashley Hamilton. And, and this, this is Celebrity, Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Club. We have got such a fucking gangbuster of an episode. You guys, we have a bona fide, a bona fide celebrity. Celebrity. Hot off the heels of the Meghan and Harry interview, we've got somebody else who's British. <laughs> Can you believe that we were able to get someone who is British? Also, I would say a princess in my own eyes, a princess of Love Island. Yes, she's the princess of that island, I would say. Honestly, okay, so if you watch that season, I got Claire into Love Island. I tried for ages to get her into Love Island, and it took us snagging this guest for me to get Claire into it. And then she, you went fucking bananas for that show. I watched all 72 hours. <laughs> it was like, it took a toll on me because it's one thing to binge Housewives, which is like 12 episodes. It is quite another thing to binge 70 hours of a television show. Okay, so I also disagree with what you're saying right now. Because well, can I say why it's so hard? Okay. Because I cannot understand the accent, so I have to watch with subtitles. Oh, so it's like reading. So it's not like a passive TV show that you can put in the background and be like book reading. Cleaning. Yeah, I essentially read War and Peace. <laughs> but because I have more wanted- complex and more interesting and probably more standing the test of time yeah i agree with that and honestly tells much more of a story of fear and betrayal and war and peace what is war and peace about um war and then peace (laughs) (laughs) it's during the napoleonic wars and would you believe it rich people just keep being rich and there's a hot napoleonic wars they were all mad about the ice cream they said (laughs) i don't want strawberry in the mix and they said, oh, we're going to put strawberry in the mix. And they said, nobody wants it. And they said, that's the only way that we can pawn off this flavor is to mix it with chocolate and vanilla. That's literally what it's about. Plus, and they there's said, a never will we have peace. And then there was a fat man. And they represented the two sides of ice cream loving. <laughs> Natasha. Um, should we say who it is? Oh, yeah. It's Amy Hart. Oh, you guys, she was the star of season five of Love Island. Um, and she's British. a star of my, in my eyes. She's like the star of this podcast. I'm so she's excited for you guys She's the star of knowing about cults, cool She cult knows shit. everything about cults. She knows everything about Scientology. So the reason we covered Leah Remini, we never even would have thought about it. And then Amy told us that she read this book while she was in the waiting hotel to go on Love Island. She said it was like a book her dad gave her. It was like, you're probably going to love this shit. She read it, ate it up. She absolutely demolished it. it. And then she brought it to us. And we say thank you so much. I almost don't even want to get into our weeks. I feel like... So on the Patreon this week, should we drop what we have on the Patreon? Yeah, we've got a good lineup on the Patreon. tonight at 6 p.m. we're releasing our exclusive take on Scientology. I actually don't think it's going to come out at 6 p.m. It'll come out at 8 p.m. Because you get off work at 6 p.m. Yes. And we are going to record it after that. Tonight at 8 p.m., we are dropping our (laughs) exclusive take on Scientology. We watched Going Clear, the HBO documentary. We have a lot of hot takes on what we didn't say about Leah's book and what we think Leah didn't say in her own book. Then this Thursday, we drop our bonus episode with Amy Hart where she dishes all of the the behind-the-scenes information about Love Island, what really goes on. It's so fucking interesting. I want to do another bonus Patreon episode about what I think the difference between The Bachelor and Love Island is. Are you okay with that, Ashley? Yeah, I would love doing that because you know I love Love Island way more than I love The Bachelor but I also have like a soft spot in my heart for The Bachelor because I feel like it's my citizen like it's my home country yeah so that'll drop next week we have so much content coming in I don't even want to tell you guys about what happened this week because we'll put that on the Patreon because we have such a long episode do you think that's fair yeah we had like a feud that was not a feud and then I had a rug Claire had a feud with a rug that was not a feud so very we're in a fight um, for the old timey fans but check out the Patreon for our bonus content our live our Scientology hot takes and all the behind the scenes of Live Island. And right now, please enjoy this incredible episode. Yes, we're talking more about Leah Remini's book, Troublemaker, because boy, oh boy, she's making trouble for three weeks in a row. And shout out to Amy Hart because she watched the documentary and listened to the podcast. So she's wrapping up a lot of the open-ended takes. Give it up for Amy Hart. Okay, we're on. Oh my God, well, thank you so much for coming. And we're so excited to have you. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much. I literally, so I discovered your podcast during lockdown. Oh. Um, and I thought, like, this is my kind of podcast. And I binged them all. 
Then I messaged you. I was like, please, can I come on? (laughs) And we were so excited to have you. You know what? Should we get into Leah? Because I feel like we are going to just like get so lost. I cannot believe how much she packed into this book. It's like a very Mm -hmm. easy read. Like you blow through it and you look back and you're like, she gave you her whole life. She gives you so much of the entertainment industry. She gives you so much of Scientology. And then the Tom Cruise wedding, which is of course like... Let's start... At the beginning, I want to know where where you found this book, when you first picked it up, like what drew you to this book and when did you first read it? So my dad is like loves books like this. And I think he would, because you can't actually buy it on the shelves in the UK. And I think he must have been on holiday in California or something and bought it and read it on holiday or vacation, sorry, not holiday. <laughs> um, and so then he bought it home and he said to me, you've got to read this book. It's the best book you'll ever read. So I was like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. So then I was going into lockdown for Love Island. So you have to give your phone away on the plane. You're not allowed any anything really, only allowed books. You're not allowed magazines because I've got recent stuff in them. Like I follow a couple of Mormon families on YouTube and I wasn't allowed to watch their vlogs during my lockdown. <laughs> they live in Utah. Like they're not going to tell me anything about Love Island. Like, yeah. I just want to see their cute kids. Um, so I was like, right, I need to take loads of books. And my dad was like, take this, take this. I was like, okay, yeah, cool, I'll take it. Oh my God, I read it in two days. Same. Yeah, I, I love it. I love at the beginning in the prologue when she says, like, these are all the awful things about me because when this book comes out, Scientology will try and like peddle all this bad stuff. So you might as well hear it now and hear it from me. Yeah, and I think that there's like a lot of kind of hazy situations in her background. Like, I think that like the fact that her husband they had a very questionable launch to their relationship in that he was married with three children. Can you believe they're still married? I just looked it up because I was like, there's no way this lasts. They're a Hollywood couple that started with infidelity. Yeah. I think as well, having now gone into the entertainment industry, there's so much star, high profile couples that aren't actually together. And, you know, high profile men, well, Allegedly, the Beckhams. Oh, yeah. That's everyone keeps telling me. Um, you know what and- I remembered about them? Okay, sorry, this is so off topic, but once I sort of got when I was in seventh or eighth grade, I was just in the morning radio, and they said that the Beckhams claim what keeps their relationship spicy is they only sleep in the same bed one night a week. And I remember at 12 year old being like, what the fuck is that? Like that even to a preteen was like sketchy and it has stayed with me. And I think about that all the time. Obviously high profile men allegedly being gay, obviously big TC. I'm literally going to get a fair game. I'm going to have Scientology because like the the UK Scientology headquarters where L. Ron Hubbard used to live is 25 minutes down the road. And Tom Cruise is buying a house five minutes from my house. Oh, my God. I live in the smallest suburban town you can ever think of. And Tom Cruise is buying a house here. I am going to need you to join Scientology, (laughs) become a mole, get to the top, meet Tom Cruise, write another book. My therapist said that if I ever joined Scientology, she would section me under the mental health act. Because I was like, yeah, I love Scientologists. I love Mormons. And she was like, What? And I was like, no, I love learning about them. And she's like, okay, because if you ever want to join Scientology, I will section you, just so you know. That's a good therapist. What was your opinion of Scientology before you picked up this book? Um, I just knew sort of like John Travolta, Tom Cruise. Um, I remember vaguely when Leah left, because we used to go on holiday to America a lot, and I've always been obsessed with America. And so I used to buy, and I used to go into, there's a shop called WH Smith, which is a bit like, Oh, I can't think what the like where you buy your magazines from and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, they have a really tiny section that's got like People and the National Enquirer. And I used to spend all my pocket money, um, all my allowance on buying these magazines. And half the celebrities, I didn't even know who they were because they're American celebrities. But I just felt really American because I was reading them. Mm-hmm. So I sort of vaguely remember like because Kir- Kirstie Alley, did she leave or is she still in? No, she's still in it. I don't she even spoke out against Leah Remini pretty that was prominently. It. Yeah. So I I remember like the whole Leah and Kirsty thing and so I just sort of knew about that and I sort of I remember that um Nicole Kidman didn't have much to do with her older kids because of Scientology and obviously the weird fo- what looked like a photoshop picture of Suri Cruz and everyone saying she looked like E.T. in the blanket yeah <laughs> that was a fun so one. yes that that that's sort of what I knew about it and then um Obviously, I read the book a couple of years ago and I was just like, and I had a chaperone with me. She still got my copy because I said to her, because we were packing up my case and obviously I couldn't take it in to the villa because she wasn't allowed to take books in. 
I was like, don't put that in my bag of stuff. I was like, you need to read it. And she read it in two days as well. Um, and it's just, I can't even describe to you. Like it's, you need to like, obviously you don't need to read it because we've read it for you. That's the whole point of the podcast. <laughs> but, Thank you. Like, Excellent promotion. It's, it is down that rabbit hole, isn't it? And when things like, it doesn't matter how high you get. I think in other sort of religions, the higher you get, the more protected you are. Obviously, we'll get on to Shelley later, but even like Mike Rinder, who was official spokesperson for the church, he ended up in the hole having to crawl around on his hands and knees. Something crazy yeah. is that they're beating these top people who have dedicated their lives to it. Yeah. And you just have to think, why are they so mad at their inner circle? Like, right. I also found that shocking that you could get so high and it, it almost reminded me, I guess, of like a kingdom versus the aristocrats versus the peasants, where yeah. it seems like if only one person was protected, it was David Miscavige and I guess yeah. Tom Cruise. He says that like in the eyes of Scientology, no matter what level you're at, technically, unless you're L. Ron Hubbard, everyone is equal. And that was like one thing that was appealing to her when she was joining and became definitively not appealing as she was sort of um, starting to see clearly. She says that like everyone is equal in the eyes of Scientology. And so the, everyone is equal except Tom Cruise, basically. And that's one of the things that like really, really fucked with her. Well, she re- she reckons she's given um, $5 million, doesn't she? Over, over the sort of 20 mm-hmm. years that she was in mm-hmm. the church, she reckons she's given $5 million. And I, but there's a page earlier where she's saying about, you know, it's not about Tom Cruise giving loads of money because Tom Cruise has got loads of money. It's people that earn $45,000 a year but give $250,000. They will call your credit card company, get your limit quadrupled, and then have you take out every dollar yeah. mm-hmm. and leave you so in she was debt. Saying earlier, so when, when she was young and she was in the Sea Org um, and they got fed really horrible, for anyone that doesn't know, we should probably explain, the Sea Org is um, like the sort of, work like the disciples of the church isn't it you you sign a billion year contract um and you're you're sort of tied to it forever and you work at there's a um there's a hotel down in Clearwater where regular parishioners go to do courses which obviously all cost money and then they work there so they're cleaning the rooms um you know working behind the front desk working in the child working the crash type thing and one of her jobs she had to do was get the tickets for the food and charge in people's room so what she used to do was go and get food, get the ticket, and then burn the tickets and flush them down the toilet. Um, and she then admitted this 20 years later. And they said, okay, well, we've worked it out. Um, and we think that you had $40,000 worth of snacks 20 years ago. So she had to pay $40,000. She didn't question it. It's really crazy that she doesn't question it. And also the fact, what kind of religion would make a child starve? Like, she didn't take that food because she was bored. She took that food because she was starving. One of the damning things I thought about Scientology was that there's no distinction of childhood, that everybody is just a soul. So one of the scenes that stuck with me the most is, like, personally, I'd be like, how do you stay in this after experiencing this? Is They're down the Sea Orgs. Their mother just had a baby. Their mother still has to work 14 hours a day. And her mother's going to work for 14 hours a day and she has a newborn and the newborn's just left in a crib under the care of another teenager who's watching like 20, 30 children. And then baby would just sit there all day in the crib, dirty diaper. I don't know who's feeding it. I mean, that's horrific. That's a horrific way to try to treat a baby. What I find weird as well with with the children side of things as well is that obviously other religions um, have big families because originally that was how they repopulated the religion. Because if you start a religion, you haven't got many parishioners. So if everyone has 10 kids and they will have 10 kids and they will have 10 kids, and that's how you quickly populate the religion. Whereas with Scientology... Um, they're forced to have abortions. If you if you're in the seal, you're not allowed to be in the seal and have a child. So there's Mark and Claire Headley who were um, yeah. So you'll sit. Oh, so I've just ruined one of the episodes of Scientology in the aftermath for you. But um, mm. Mark and Claire Headley. So Mark used to make all of the um, promotional videos for Scientology, and Claire um, is his wife. They met in the seal, fell in love, got married, and they used to put them on split on opposite shifts they could never be at home together and claire got pregnant and she was forced to have an abortion because if you say no i want to keep the baby then they start doing that um auditing on you where they're like see you you don't you don't love Elron hubbard you're not interested in clearing the planet because you're willing to leave the seal to have this baby so you basically you're putting your own needs first rather than those of clearing the planet. So really, you're not a good Scientologist. That's like one thing about this book that I found so fascinating is the way that they have 
a twisted sentence for every situation. The way that they mm-hmm. take every single thing and they have a way to word it where they, it's like your fault. Like you can really just like feel the manipulation coming out of the pages. It was so wild. And I think the problem is with Scientology is what Mike Rinder says is with other religions, as it gets passed down and passed down, people can, you know, now the Christian church in some places, like my local vicar's gay. Um, so it's like, actually, do you know what? Like it says in the Bible that, but actually things have changed. You know, God made us like this, whatever. Um, L. Ron Hubbard wrote Dianetics. And that is it. And you live by Dianetics to the word. They quote Dianetics to you. There is no um, movement on Dianetics. And L. Ron Hubbard is now dead. And nobody can rewrite Dianetics because it's L. Ron Hubbard's word. So nothing will ever change. Nothing will ever progress because that's not what L. Ron Hubbard said. Yeah, do they ever in the series, because I didn't get it really from, do they ever address what it is to follow a religion made by a man that you can like point to? I just like, what was the credibility to L. Ron Hubbard? Did they ever explain that? He was just a science fiction writer who one day said, actually, this isn't fiction. This is science realism. Yeah. I mean, it's because they prey on the vulnerable, don't they? And there's a cause for everything. So like, I think in the book that I've just read about when um, Brandy Norwood was having not a great time. So they were like, oh, we've got a, there's a course for everything. There's literally yeah. a course for everything. And they start off at $25. It's a little bit. I mean, I watched The Vow um, and everyone kept saying, oh, you love cults. You love crazy religions. You need to watch The Vow. I had to turn it off after the first episode because I started going, oh, you yeah, know, they've got a point. <laughs> I was like, what did I tell you? I'm gonna when I was off. reading... I thought that was something that she did really well. And I I mean, just the crazy belief part, I guess, was what was hard for me. But I do see how for Leah, she's coming from this kind of raucous, abusive household where her dad is always yelling. She lives in fear. And then she's brought into this religion that teaches people to have composure and quiet and silence. And you're like, oh, I see how immediately you would look at those adults and be like an adult who doesn't yell at me, an adult who doesn't react violently yeah. to my mistakes and that's so it's funny the way they took the basic tenets of like therapy and then immediately like it's good for the first hour and then the next session it becomes so manipulative and evil yeah and you can really see how the mom got into it because she was coming from this like abusive relationship and then suddenly there's like this level-headed man who has this um sort of like toolbox of emotional processing and that is so appealing and again she wanted to like she was now a single mother and she wanted to get her kids out of this situation. She wanted better for her children. And this is a religion that promises to like lift you to a literal better place. Like there's a bridge, you're going upwards. Everything about it is about moving up in the world. And so I see how she felt. And also um, like I grew up around theater kids and every theater kid sits in their English and their maths and their science lesson. And it's like, this is a load of rubbish. I'm going to be a star. Why am I here? I'm wasting my time. And they said to her mom, well, Leah wants to be an actress. Leah's like 11 at this point. Leah wants to be an actress. She can start acting in the Scientology films as soon as, as soon as you get into the Sea Org, she can start acting in the Scientology films. Obviously didn't. They had her on cleaning. But, um, yeah. but so that as well. And also for any theatre kid not to have to go to school. Like she says, you know, when they moved back to LA, they got re-enrolled in school and within three weeks they were like, actually, we'll just go to church. Yeah. So if you're a teenager and it's the choice between being treated as an adult in this place that's going to make your life better or going to school, none of us are going to go to school. As a response to what you were saying, like how could someone just like look to L. Ron Hubbard and be like, this makes tons of sense? Because they were genuinely encouraged to not learn anything else. Like it was just widely accepted that kids don't have to go to school because Scientology education is real education and everything else is fake education and like not worth anything. Like these people don't have any knowledge outside of Scientology. Like once you've said, I guess that's what it is. Early days, the early days aren't about the Xenu and the Thetans and like the magic energy in your body. It's, it's these basic therapy tools that obviously I do believe in and subscribe mm-hmm. to. And then they took it and then they really, prefer- and then once you're too far in, then they're like, now you believe that there was an alien. Yeah. <laughs> but also as well, they're, they're only a religion because of the tax exemption status. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that, that's why it's a religion. There isn't a God really, is there? It's about clearing the planet. So it's an organization made by man. It's only a religion so that they don't have to pay tax. Yeah. I mean, I've, 
I feel like by the end, my feeling on it was that it was an organization based on buying expensive real estate. I always say like, you know, religion is, again, like you, I don't have a religion. So that's why I think I'm obsessed with learning about different religions and like the different customs and stuff. And um, I want to do a TV show called Yeah, But Why? Where I meet other people and I'm like, yeah, but but why? Um, (laughs) And I, I always say to my friends, I'm like, if Harry Potter went out of print tomorrow... In a hundred years' time, if someone found the Harry Potter books, you could quite like logically make a religion out of them. Like Dumbledore's the god, yeah. Harry is Jesus, like you know, Hermione and his friends, and then you've got the devil, which is Voldemort. Like you could you could literally make a religion off of anything. Yeah. I mean, I have also it's so funny, I was just talking to my friend about how it, it's so hard for me to relate to like clinging to a belief system the way that they do because I don't think there's anything in my life that you could take from me that would undo the foundation of my beliefs do you know what I mean there's like not one institution that I look up to or honor that way and I was trying to be like well maybe if science was wrong but I was like science by definition is like always changing itself like there's not one single tenet of science but then I was like joking and I was like I love Britney Spears and I was like could you imagine if someone said to me Britney Spears is actually abusing people and people like all these people have come out and said they were raped and beat by her and being like absolutely not and then I was like oh people do do that with celebrities like people will cling to Johnny Johnny Depp and Amber Heard look at Twitter like the last I mean, look weeks. at even Louis C.K. I mean, people really do take that belief system and say nothing can shake me from it. Like, I will never agree to anything but what I already have come in with this belief system about fucking singers and actors. So there is something yeah. in the human capacity to just have a belief and refuse to change it that, like, keeps you grounded I mean, and is necessary. I get quite jealous, I think. Um, I, I wouldn't want to believe it because I'm not good with rules and I'm not good. Someone said the other day, like, what would you do if you met someone that had an extreme religion and you, you wanted to marry them? And I was like, none of these churches would want me, hon, because I'm not yeah. good at rules. <laughs> and if you told me now that I had to give up rosé wine, it just wouldn't work well. Um, but I, I can't think where I was going with this now. I've lost it. But um, oh, yeah, that was it, jealous. So, like, when my grandparents died, I was obviously beside myself. Mm. And... A couple of years before my granny died, because my granny died first, um, some friends of mine, their granddad died, and I knew their granddad, so I went to the funeral, and there's, like, two, like, he's got two children, so there's four grandchildren, two very religious, two very not. And the two that are very not religious, obviously, sobbing, absolutely beside themselves, the two that are very religious are like, we loved our granddad, we're so happy, um, that he was our granddad and he's in a better place now and the fact that they can deal with it that way I'm sort of a bit jealous because I'm like I I will just like I was upset at my grandparents like my two that's still alive when they go I don't know what my mum's always like, I'm really worried what's going to happen because like our nan and granddad are like all six of us our, us grandchildren they're our absolute best friends so I think that's why they prey on vulnerable people um who are in like bad situations because it's something that that will bring order to their life. That's the appeal of religion in general, I think, is that there's an answer to impossible questions. Like, if you don't have a religion, then you just kind of have to, like, kind of cross your fingers and hope for the best. And if you do have a religion, you have, like, a very distinct order of how things are going to work out. Like, in Scientology, they genuinely believe that you are a soul for eternity. You know, if you truly believed in Scientology and someone you knew died, but they were a great Scientologist their whole life, you'd be like, oh, well, they're just like on to their eternity now. Dope, you know? And I get how you can very easily, like what's $250,000 of debt when you have a billion more lifetimes? Like who fucking cares? Yes. So they reckon, Church Scientology reckon that they got Leah's show taken off air. So she wrote the book, then it became a TV series, did three seasons, won Emmys, but it then got axed or cancelled. That's what you guys have to say, got cancelled. Um, and they and they, they turned it into a podcast. And in the first episode, she says that, you know, the Church of Scientology claimed that they got our show taken off the air. So, like, well done if you did, but we've now got a podcast. And the one she did the week that um, John Travolta's wife died, she obviously died of cancer. And Kelly was saying, uh, Leah was saying, like, I'm really worried because obviously they don't believe in, in medicine. They believe in, like, you know, you can audit your cancer away. So, you know, there's these three young kids now, or two, two young kids now that don't have a mum that could have been prevented if they'd had treatment. That is 
that is really a heartbreaking and also like so weirdly victim blaming to be like, well, you died of cancer because you weren't a good enough person. That was something that really struck me as evil. The way they talk about like, they're like, we're trying to clear the world of insanity. And the idea that somebody who was like bipolar or schizophrenic or had depression, just to think that you're, you have things you're a bad person. That's where it crosses over to not just being like, oh, here are some adults acting silly and getting themselves into debt for no reason. I'm like, you're perpetrating evil in this world by hating gay people, yeah. by hating... Yeah, I do. Well, I have two things. One of them, I just want to point out that it's very interesting that they don't believe in medicine and your cancer is your fault and should cure itself if you audit it away properly. But they do believe in the medical procedure that is abortion because it just like doesn't... because being pregnant mm-hmm. like doesn't work for their agenda. That is fucking wild. And then second of all, bipolar, all that is your fault. Like you really see that in the part of the book where Tom Cruise speaks out against Brooke Shields and says that her taking medication for postpartum depression is like because she just like wasn't strong enough to be a good mother on her own. And like even Leah Remini um defended him in an interview being like, I mean, I just had a baby and I didn't need pills. So what's wrong with that bitch, huh? And it's like, that was yeah. a really psychotic passage of this and then And then at the wedding, when she was upset, it was Brooke that... Probably because Brooke was nice and level-headed from her medication. Why do you think yeah. Brooke was at that wedding? Do you think it was just she got pulled in by PR and they were like, you should do it? Like, yeah, why would you go to a wedding after someone said that about you? Exactly. That's, that's what I find really weird. I don't know they were all paid to go. But um, it's the fact that... You know, you're, you're allowed friends that aren't... You're, I, I just can't believe that all these really high-profile people over dinner parties haven't been like, come on, Tom. Like, really? Like, well, I really? do think Tom doesn't have any friends. And something that comes out to me from the book is that clearly Tom doesn't have any actual true friends. He seems, one, stunted by his fame. Like, he seems emotionally stunted. He, they, she talks about they start playing hide-and-seek at one point. I mean, he's acting insane. He's lashing out at his assistants. I don't think he has real friends. I think he has people that he's been partnered with by Scientology. So when he had this wedding, it was really just... It was um, fully a PR It was like a kid's party. I mean, yeah, they talk about... She talks about how... So in the book, Leah Remini became a Scientologist when she was young um, because her mom sort of joined it because her dad... Or her dad, like, left them, and then she got a new boyfriend who was a Scientologist. They got very involved, went to the Sea Org, ended up in L.A. She became an actress, moved her way up through Scientology. Because she's on TV, kind of famous, she's, like, more respected in the church. She ends up meeting Tom Cruise. They they don't become friends. This is what's interesting is she mentions that when they are in, like when she is sort of like elite enough to be in the presence of Tom, she's sort of just like brought to his house for dinners as like just a play date. Do you know what I Like it never sounds like they bonded. She's always referring to him as sort of like a specimen that she's studying and never like her pal that she had dinner with. And then I think that the wedding... Yeah, like I, will, I will say, I will say, obviously, so on the fame scale, if I'm like a one, obviously Tom Cruise is like a 400 million. Um, you can never know whether someone actually... People do treat you differently. Are people like there for the right reasons, etc. So I can imagine when you're Tom Cruise, that is a hundred times more. Yeah. And plus when you're in a religion like Scientology where your friends are encouraged to write knowledge reports on you, which people that don't know, that is um, if you see someone do something they shouldn't do, you can either ignore it, but then if they get found out and they find out that you knew, you're just as guilty. Mm-hmm. Or you can write up a knowledge report and grass your friend up. Oh, sorry, um, tattletale. I say grass up. Mm-hmm. That's a very English phrase. Um, so you tattletale on your friend. Um, so when you're in that paranoid like sort of religion anyway I think it is like it's like a it's a mutual need one the kind of person who doesn't want friends because I do feel like celebrities can have other celebrity friends like in this Jennifer Lopez who I I would say is just as famous as Tom Cruise at this point is friends with Leah Remini in a way that seems much more legitimate and sincere and then it also says Tom Cruise doesn't even like Kirstie Alley or John Travolta and he has the other thing is he has these girlfriends that are vetted and prepped for him so even amongst the other A-list celebrities, it doesn't seem like he's particularly interested in having like true connections with people. And I think that's what makes him do so you think, perfect for Scientology. Do you think yes. um, Katie Holmes was on a fixed term contract? I feel like she... I don't know. Okay, you tell your theory. I have okay, a theory. I think that she was 
brought to him, vetted for him, sort of like groomed for him in the same way. We can tell the story later, but um, this woman, Naz, the same situation happened. I do believe that she was like brought to him on a platter, like, do you want this one for your next wife? And I, there probably was a contract in place, but like as we know with Scientology, contracts are often uh, up to a billion years. I do think that when she left, it was not predetermined or mutual in any way. Like I, because there, there's like the stories of Katie leaving. She like left while he was on set. There was an escape plan. Mm. Well, that no, I've seen that. And so her dad is a divorce lawyer, Katie Holmes. And when it all came out, I remember that they had planned it very specifically. So he was in Alaska at the time when they called for the divorce. And it was like they had waited for him to be so far away. And then she grabbed the kid and kind of like left in the dead night. I think what happened was that they probably came to her, gave her this offer. And she, I mean, the, the thing is, it's not hard to fall in love with an A-list celebrity. He's an A-list celebrity because he's handsome and charming. And then you throw him into a world where you say you love to ice skate and eat sushi. And now you're ice skating and eating sushi every day. I mean, I've heard about Pete Davidson, that all the girls he's placed with, they are PR placements, but he falls in love with all of them. Because it's like, of course. When they force you to date a supermodel, you might like supermodels. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, but, it's like Love Island. It's like Love Island. Obviously, mm-hmm, yes. like the reason I fell in love in Love Island, I think, is because I was like, I am there to meet the love of my life. So your brain is like, right, okay, we're going to, like, we're going to do this. I say it's easier to find friends in a small school than in a big school. Like if you only have 10 people to be friends with, you're probably going to leave with eight good friends. If you're at a big public high school where there's 10,000 people to be friends with, you might leave with four good friends. Like it's, yeah. it's easy when you're stuck getting to know someone to... Yeah. Oh, yeah. But so my theory is that it was kind of brought to her as a business proposition. And then she was excited and went for it. And I'm sure there was a time she's like, I wish this could work out. (laughs) And then I'm sure it got so crazy that after a while, I really do think as a mother, and we see even though Leah's mom didn't pull out, despite the like baby abandoned in a cradle thing where she was at her lowest point. I will say she had just been abandoned by a second man pregnant. And also, yeah, she she had nowhere to Mm -hmm. go. Katie Holmes has got all that money. She's got a family outside. Like, I mean, when Leah's mom left, as soon as Leah said, look, I have to leave, her mom was happy to come with her. But I do think as a mother to abandon your own children or to see what's happening to your children, that's where you have to draw the line and say, actually, this isn't a being, it's my daughter and I'm going to protect her with everything I have. um, There's a guy, there's a guy on the TV show who, um, his in-laws who are still in Scientology live opposite and, um, the, they wouldn't speak to their grandchildren who were like five and seven. And she used to go and feed the dog for them while they were away. And she was like, I don't mind disconnecting from you, but I don't want to disconnect from the dog. Like, can I stay connected to the dog? And they were like, um, yeah, if you want to, that's fine. <laughs> it's so crazy, but you see how effective it is. I mean, it's a tall order to say, you can't just leave the religion, you have to leave everybody. Yeah, I do feel like with Katie, it seems, I mean, we obviously don't have her story. Like Claire said a couple times when you're we reading this, that like, my God, I would pay so much money for a Katie Holmes memoir because that is going to be some real dirt, but I do believe they would murder her. Um, if she yeah, hundred percent. Don't you think they would kill Katie Holmes? <laughs> I will say Scientology yeah, had one of the funniest. But then, but then everyone reckons that Melania is going to do like a novel about a model that marries a billionaire. So surely can't Katie do a, a novel about a woman who marries an alien? Oh, that would be so smart. To a religious physic physicsology. Yeah, if it was like Matey and Dom. <laughs> I would love that. I do want, like, I wanted to hear what is Katie's perspective of what happened at that wedding? Like, because the other thing is Leah does seem like she's quite feisty. Um, I do wonder, did she cause a yeah. scene or was it fully, like, because she says that they got ignored by Tom and Katie at the lineup already in the wedding. And was that fully because her only purpose there was to get Jennifer Lopez involved? I guess she wasn't evangelizing enough. I could, I was shocked here that Jennifer Lopez's dad was well, a Scientologist. Yeah. So I think basically they wanted them to put them on a table with sort of like normal civilians who are potentially a bit vulnerable that they could then um, convert to Scientology. You're being like, oh, you've got to sit on the same table as Leah Remini, she's on King of Queens, etc. Um, but I think the whole thing, so the fact that they had the invited press and they had like all the velvet ropes outside of the hotel yes. with them all there all the time, and the press knew exactly where everything was. It was all a put-up job to be like, look, and if you're a Scientologist, you can have this wedding too. 
That's so true. That's exactly what it was. The whole thing was a PR. I had it stuck in my head that they specifically just wanted Jennifer Lopez to be used, but I guess it wasn't so much that they were trying to convert Jennifer Lopez per se. It was just to get Jennifer Lopez associated with Scientology. Yeah. And then everybody invited the wedding. It was like a, they were all marks. They were all somebody yeah. that you could yeah. potentially yeah. convert on the way out. I um, feel like they didn't, like, Posh and Bex were there. Yeah. Will and Jada. And I, one thing I want to go and watch now, because I found it, when I was reading earlier on, I Googled, oh, Will and Jada Pinkett Smith, a Scientologist. We did too, because and I've heard so, that they are. Yeah, I've just discovered Red Table Talks. I had never seen Red Table Talks. And then the Olivia Jade one came up, and I watched that, and I watched the Kristen Davis one today. Um, and there's a Leah Remini Red Table Talk, because after she left, she did an interview, and she was like, Jada is in. J- Will's not, but Jada is in. Jada is a Scientologist. Mark my words, Jada's then she denied it and it's a red table talk with the two of them so that is next on my list to watch I have to watch it because I've heard quotes where Will specifically says Scientology is like 98% the same as Christianity he's like I've heard him I know he had said that quote because when I heard that they were in it I had heard that before and when I googled it it seems like they had a Scientology school kind of yes so I don't know there's just like too many hard facts the way that Will or Jada can be a Scientologist is interesting to me because to be in a relationship with someone who is not a Scientologist seems so complicated because it's all or nothing. Like that's one thing she also talks about in this book is that there's no really such thing as being like casually a Scientologist. If you're in the religion, you are at the church two and a half hours a day, constantly on course, really like being a Scientologist. And so I don't really see how you could be in a relationship with someone who is a Scientologist and you're not and you see what goes on there and you like don't become an SP like how could you just be well I (laughs) think then does that not go back to the whole Hollywood couple thing in that how often do they actually see they must just not know well first of all I've heard I have heard and it's so funny I don't know why this is in the back of my brain but I had always heard that Will is gay or at very least bisexual and has had gay partners, and that Jade is also gay. I also think that this goes back to why Leah Remini left in the first place, which is that the rules are not the rules for everyone. I think if you have a celebrity, I mean, Will and Jada are A-plus celebrities. You don't mess with that. I I think if they felt any pushback from Will that seemed like it would get Jada out of the church, that they would just drop it all together because it's more important to have one half of a A plus power couple in than to to risk losing both of them. And then third of all, something I had heard... I don't know where this is from, but it it checks out to me is that one of the things that Scientology is that you are giving them files and files of your deepest, darkest secrets. Every bad thought you've ever had, they have recorded and notarized on file ready to use against you at any time. So celebrities, if they've started early enough, they can't really leave. And I think that's what Remy's power is. She has nothing that she won't admit to, but I do think Will and Jada have some skeletons in their closet that are pretty probably written down in a file somewhere that they're like, if we ever fully leave, we have to just stay very calm because we don't want to. Yeah. Well, that's what they say. There's videos of Tom Cruise and John Travolta, not together, but like gay videos I'm so going to end up with Scientology people outside my house like going through my garbage I am scared Um, for you because you're their neighbor I mean it wouldn't be hard to be on their way to the grocery store (laughs) could I ask did Um, that like have any impact on your awareness of Scientology that you grew up so near it's like founding well no I just whenever I drive past it I'm like there it is um, (laughs) it's really weird that they do declare celebrities SPs because going back to and I'd just like to say to any LDS people that are listening I'm not saying you're like Scientology I'm just saying Uh that it is a slightly out of the ordinary religion I do love learning about it but obviously I know a lot about it that's why I keep referring back to it but and there's a podcast called Mormon Stories and Heather Gay from my new favorite TV show, The Real Love House of Salt Lake City, um, did one. And she was saying that she was worried by going on the show that she'd be sort of blacklisted. And the guy said, don't worry, LDS, don't blacklist celebrities because it makes them look... Because if you blacklist Joe, who lives down the road, nobody knows about it. If you blacklist a prolific LDS member then everyone knows about it. And then you look like a horrible religion. I guess if Leah hadn't um, gone so public with her leaving of the church, I don't think she would. I think that she could have probably gone pretty far in her exit and not been considered an SP, but because she... Yeah, she's so She like really (laughs) left in a ball of flames. And I think that that's why they kind of had no choice. But I think that if it had been literally like two degrees quieter, then it kind of would have been fine. Yeah. 
but they have on the TV show you see, so they're like driving and there's the same car keeps popping up and um, they're like, hi, who are you? And he's all, I'm working for TMZ. And they're like, no, you're not. And like um, they interview the private investigators who were paid to follow Mike Rinder and he sat there across from the private investigator who was paid for three years to follow him. And he's like, I'm really sorry about what I did to you. And she's like, and Leah's like, what did you do? And he's like, well, when I knew that they were like to the garbage people said, oh yeah, they pay us $25 per bag for your trash. So then he started writing fake notes being like, must return call of, and then putting up like a really high powered Scientologist that he didn't like. So it sounded like it was like Joe Davis or something. He's like, must return call of Joe Davis. And then he'd go and get his dog poo from the garden and he would cover the note in dog poo and then put it in the bin. So then to get the note, the person had to like get all the dog poo off of the note. And then the Scientologist that he hated would then get pulled in for auditing, being like, why have you called Mike Rinder? That's genius, honestly. Um, That is something that I would like to keep in mind for if I'm ever being stalked by a cult. I mean, that's what I was saying to Ashley because I remember last night we were on the phone and she was like, it's funny to me that Leah Remini almost has the second half of her career that's mostly like outing Scientology. And meanwhile, her PR person said, don't say anything about it. And I was saying to Ashley, I was like, well, I don't think you realize that Scientologists are known, they'll attack you. Like they could have killed her. Like if she hadn't been as public as she was, and if this hadn't been as successful as it was, they would have ruined her life. So like going into my view of Scientology, I barely knew it existed before I moved to Los Angeles. I feel like I'd heard of it in the same way that like people in Oklahoma have heard of Jewish people where you're like, yeah, that's like a thing that I've like seen in a movie or something, but like, how could it be real? I just like truly had no concept of the abuse in Scientology. I thought it was just like some weird Hollywood club thing. I just like genuinely didn't realize that it was a true cult where they were. Like I wanted to get into this conversation about Mike Rinder and the hole, um, which is a literal pit where they would put people and abuse them. As we were talking about earlier, that like very high up people are just like no exception to the rule. Have you watched the Where Is Shelly Miskovich? Have they come up with a theory about where that bitch is? Um, so yes, it's in, it's in series three. Uh, season three, sorry. And um, basically, there's lots of different uh, lots of different theories. One is that she's dead. Yeah, um, that would make sense. And like, <laughs> and like Leah says, Leah says, like, Shelley, if you're watching this, even if you go on telly, I can swear on this podcast, can't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, even if you go on telly and say, Leah Remini, fuck off, I hate you. I would rather you did that so that I know you're alive because um, right now because Shelly is the first person to like if you send a birthday card she'll send you a thank you card for a birthday card like she is the most correspondence person mm-hmm. um, so there's that there's a theory that she's on a boat um, that's like the hole but on the waves um, like a regional hole um, yeah. and so there's that theory there's a theory that she is just doing hard labor in the middle of a desert somewhere um, or just working on a project. I wonder if she got cancer and died and they just thought it would be bad PR to say that like the wife of the head of the entire thing had bad omens because what? how does that reflect back on everybody? See, so much of Scientology is that nothing is bad happens to you if you're a good Scientologist. So if the top Scientologist dies of something like yes. cancer... That's a good one. But so her, her assistant, they, they interview her old assistant. And the day that she was moved from being Shelley's assistant, um, but her assistant says that the last time she ever saw Shelley, Shelley was being escorted to a car. She was crying. She went, Shelley. And she looked up and she looked at her and looked away. And that was the last anyone ever saw of her. Okay, so it is nefarious. I like have this like secret hope that like maybe it just didn't go along with the PR narrative, yeah. but no, it's bad. that's why I think she's dead. And going back to the point that sort of like spurred this spiral in my mind was the fact that the publicist was kind of like, this is like very dangerous and they could kill you because the wife of the head guy, I do think that they killed her. Like I do think it's like very possible because I think that every other version of this story like if she's alive literally anywhere the stink that Leah stirred up about where is Shelly I do think that they would have cleaned her up and sent a message 
just like no matter where she was. Even if she's being horrifically abused, I think that she would have been like compliant enough to like if they were like, we'll murder you unless you record this hostage video. Like she would have recorded the hostage video, you know? So I think that if she were alive, then we would have seen something from her in the last, what, 10, 15 years. The fact that she hasn't, I think 2007 is the last time anyone has seen or heard from her. And I think like the amount of shit that Leah has stirred up about her, they like would have figured out a way to be like, here she is. Their other thing is she was an original messenger for L. Ron Hubbard. Um, and she saw Elron, so she went on the original sort of Sea Org, but the messengers thing, which was the actual boat. Well, um, with Elron, um, she was one of his messengers from when she was twelve. Obviously, none of them had their parents on the ship, so Elron Hubbard was like their dad. So then she was that sort of how David got high up the ranks because he was with Shelley, um, and. So they're oh, like, is that true? So never... Shelley helped his career. Shelley yeah. was the more prominent interest. Yeah. So um, she would never, like Elrond was her dad and she genuinely believed all of it. So she would never have spoken out about um, Scientology as such. They're like, is it that she saw him? Obviously, because David Miscavige like beats people up. Mm-hmm. Like he just loses it and he goes for people and starts beating people up. And that's one of the things, if you leave, so obviously you can you can blow, which is escape. So if you blow, it's like you literally, um, in the middle of the night, you might go or like you might hide in the trunk of someone's car, etc. Or if you say you want to leave, you can leave, but it takes about six months. You get audited and audited and audited, and you have to sign things that say, I never saw David Miscavige hit anyone like I've never given money like that I didn't want to give I've never been forced to do anything I've never been to the hole the hole doesn't exist you have to sign all this stuff so I wonder if she saw him being people out and she was like you can't you can't do that like maybe because he has taken everything so literally she was a bit like this isn't what Elrond wanted I can't imagine David hasn't taken some liberties is what it seems like. Shelly was the true believer of the, of L Ron Hubbard's word. And I mean, clearly David, like he, she, he was fingering, not fingering. He wasn't fingering somebody at the dinner table, but he was feeling up his assistant at the wedding. And he might've fingered her that night. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he might've gone (laughs) away and fingered her. So maybe she was trying to stay true to the religion, which David clearly is in charge of and was like, absolutely not. That's, I will have to say, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're in a religion where there is a code word or like a um, like a joke word for people who feel the need to escape, then you're in a bad religion. Yeah. <laughs> like the fact that there was even a word, like there were so many people jumping the wall and running away in the dead of night to get away from a religion that they had a word for it. Like that's a bad thing. I would also and- argue, I would like to broaden that little little tidbit real quick. Not only if there is a special word for the people who feel the need to escape, but also if you're in a religion where in order to leave it, there needs to be an escape plan and you are going to have to jump a wall or hide in a trunk. That's also a bad religion. Yeah. Yeah. So like Mark and Claire Headley, for example, who were very high up, well, not high up, but they were sort of very prolific Scientologists that left. The way they did it was Mark was, a, they were allowed to live outside of the compound and Mark had a um, motorcycle. So one day he literally just put things in a backpack, put it on and went. Within 10 minutes, he was suddenly had cars either side of him and they forced him off the road. And they were like, they took his keys. And they were like, get in the van, get in the van, get in the van. And he said, no. So he went out into the middle of the road and started trying to flag cars down. So then they were like, so they just threw his keys at him and drove away. So he went, so obviously then his wife was still in. They were like, your, what, your husband's left. And she was like, yeah, I'm now disconnecting from him. That's it, I'm done. And then she had an eye appointment at Target. So then optometrist uh, appointment at Target. So she went in and she said to the woman, you need to let me out the back door. Um, she managed to get to her dad where Mark had gone and they managed to sort of get back together. And they've gone on to have like three kids and stuff. So they sort of had their happy post and bear in mind they had to have an abortion while they were in the church. They've got their sort of post-scientology happy ending. But the church have not left them alone. There's like 64 hate websites about them. 
anyone we might get a hate website girls oh my god if you're gonna be a hate website anyone. please link to the podcast and please let me send anyone, you a headshot <laughs> yeah anyone who has appeared on aftermath aftermath has got a um a hate website 64 hate websites holy shit i mean it's crazy because it's just so much like what are they trying to protect do you know what I mean? On the one hand, it feels like such a small, tiny little religion. On the other hand, it seems like they have so much scope and so much hate. Well, they say that they, so there's only 20,000 practicing Scientologists, but they say they've got 10 billion because they count anyone that's ever set foot inside a Scientology center, anyone that's ever taken a course, anyone that's ever attended a meeting, they count them as a parishioner. So they've got 10 billion parishioners all over the world, but there's only about 20,000 practicing. People, I think what's scarier is not even the people that have the will, but the people that submit to it, that like... You like to think that you'd have to be really out there to end up as a Scientologist, but then you look at yep. someone like Leah Remini, who's just a sassy, cute, ambitious girl from Brooklyn, and she fell for it hook, line, and sinker, and she would have raised her daughter in it, and she got her, you know what I mean? Because she was char- so charismatic, she was yep. able to get a husband who was going to submit to it, and now all of a sudden, you have an entire family with generations who's involved. I mean, yep. what you were talking about before about how religions like to have lots of kids. I mean, I remember reading an article about the West Baptist, the Westboro Church, which is oh. that church that used to go to the yeah. soldier? I watched Louis, Louis Theroux. Oh, I've, but did you know that's only that's like thirty people are in that whole it's church? It's like one family, <laughs> but, but they're like world famous. Yeah, they're world. Fa- they have the best PR team in the world, but they're one family that's like thirty people. Do you know if Scientology is dwindling? Because I feel like in the last ten years there has been sort of a hardcore press against it and like revealing the truths about it. Do you know if that's affecting its membership at all? I don't know for sure, but I had this conversation the other day because this is all I talk about. Um, I work at my local food bank and I tell them all about my obsession with religion. And I think it's the internet. Like so many um, people who like leave LDS, leave Scientology, it's because the internet is there and they can start to read things that don't add up and don't match up. Whereas 50 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, you were just going on what you were told. Mm-hmm. Whereas now there is that freedom and there is the internet. And I do think that um, all all organised religion is having a detri- it, the internet's having a detrimental effect because people can go and get their own yeah their own information. And I think it yeah. is that like random connection with the outside world, having this one person and to be able to see like they don't follow my religion, but they still seem like their life is fine. Like I feel like for Leah Remini, like when she says that she was having very intense crises of faith like she left because of the intense 30 years of brainwashing that she'd undergone and because she knew not even knew personally but knew of Nicole Kidman who had been a part of the church and left like she was able to use that singular beacon to be like this person left the church and still lives a good life arguably a great life where she does continue to play abused women on TV, but maybe that's some unresolved <laughs> shit. But, yeah. but she's doing very um, well. She has she was saying, one yeah. tunnel connection is like what is very helpful to people. Yes, yeah. because um, Leah's best friend left, obviously, when she was younger mm-hmm. and obviously then met a really nice guy, started her own business, had two kids. And when she would say to them, you know, well, she hasn't had this horrible life that you've said she's going to have. Their answer was always, but is she really happy? Is she really as happy as she says she is? And that's, and it's, oh, maybe, maybe she's not. Cause, because I'm, as well, I think that's sort of the thing we get drummed into us a lot. Because obviously I, a lot of my presence is on social media. I generally like, you know, social media is not real. You see an edited version of people's lives. So it's sort of like that in that, yeah, right, your friend's got a nice husband and two kids and she looks like she's having a lovely time. But is she really? Or is she just showing you the highlights reel of her life? I, exactly. first of all, was so happy that Shelly had like a happy, or Sherry, which is Sherry. Sherry. It got really confusing. Shelly is missing or dead. Sherry is oh, yeah. the best Sherry's friend. Not, I am Shelly, not, Shelly's not happy, happy when I think about Shelly. I am, I was really happy when I, like I was sad that she had to like break off from Sherry for a while because of this. Like, I mean, Sherry did like eventually try to help her get out and um, failed in that round but I was so happy that Sherry who had been kind of abandoned by her whole family when she was like 11 because of Scientology um, just kind of left and had a good life like that was lovely <laughs> can I can I ruin can I ruin another episode of the TV show oh my god please oh, I she not feel like have a good life? <laughs> no 
So she does. She gets the ultimate happy ending in that she does an episode talking about her upbringing, talking about how upset she was that um, her mum and dad are still in Scientology and that she knew that by doing this interview, her mum was going to have to um, disen- or disconnect from her if she would become an SP. Well, the next episode starts with like a text conversation um, and it's like coming up and it's like, mum, I've done this interview, so I'm going to be declared an SP. She's like, let me see the interview. The next episode is Sherry's mum, who has now left the church oh. because she didn't realise what an effect it had on her kids until she watched the episode. And now she's left and she's done the interview. So now she's an SP. So they're all SPs. They've been a big, happy SP life together. That is That's even a- better. <laughs> I really do believe the one force that can overcome Scientology is motherhood because at the end of the day, there is something like they can try and try and train you as much as they want. But I do think that biologically there's something in you that wants to put your child first. And if somebody comes for that, it's a hard bond to break. Well, I think that motherhood is what started. I know that there was like all of the hypocrisy of like within the system that Leo was seeing that I think sort of cemented her break from Scientology. But I think that the like foundation, like the cracks in the foundation for Leah, I do think were motherhood. Because you see, when she first has Sophia, she's still very involved with Scientology. And she's very specifically raising her outside of Scientology because she doesn't want her kid to be weird and different. And that means like subconsciously, she knows that what she's doing is weird and not good, you know? And I think that... She was saying that if, if Sophia fell over and hit herself, mm-hmm, so say mm-hmm. like she hit her leg on the table, the Scientology way is you go over and you put your leg on the... on the You put your hand on the leg where it's hurting and your hand on the table where um, where they hit the thing. And then you basically rub both um, until it feels better. Whereas then she said that she wasn't like that at all. If Sophia fell over, she'd be like, Mommy's coming, Mommy's coming, Mommy's yeah. coming. And I do think there is that sense where it's like at the bottom of her heart, she knew that that wasn't the humane right thing to do. And she talks about Suri at the Tom Cruise wedding, crying on the bathroom floor with like almost like women surrounding this baby. Like they were the apostles of Jesus or something that Suri was just the baby. Like she was L Ron Hubbard. Yeah. Yeah. And they were just kept going, stop it, Suri, stop crying. (laughs) And so Leah goes over, grabs the baby and then gets it some milk. And she's like, this is how you make a, Baby, stop crying. And I do think that, I mean, you look at Katie Holmes, I do think that baby is probably what made her say, I have to get out of here if not for myself yeah. and this child. And I do think that, I mean, it makes sense that they don't want women to have babies because I do think that your love for the child instinctively kicks in and overrules yeah. all of the brainwashing. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon that when Suri goes to stay with Tom occasionally, do you reckon when she comes home, Katie and Jamie Fox are like, right, come on then. Like what? I don't. What, I thought they don't see each other. Do? Yeah, do they see each other? There was. Well, I thought there were some very staged pap shots, wasn't there? Of the two of them together, seen her in like seven years or something. I do. Oh, that, these pap shots might be really old. I might be getting this. Wrong. I do think that there have been instances where they've seen each other, but I like don't think that she probably has ever stayed with him. Honestly, like I kind of feel like even if. Because I remember there was one instance, I don't remember how long ago it was, I honestly think Suri might have been like four at the time, but there were photos of Tom and he had to come to New York to see Suri, so he probably... Yeah, the, the, these are the photos that I'm thinking of, but she's obviously like 14 now. Yeah, I think that he took her out it's, for I the think day. It's been, and I think there was, that, there was one trip to Disney World, and I think that these were PR photos by Scientology because yeah. they like weighed it, and they said at the end of the day, it looks worse to have a father no longer talk to his own daughter, but I don't think yeah. they have any contact anymore. I just looked it up, and it seems like he's not allowed to talk to her anymore. And that- Yeah, even though it's funny because they're like in their mind, they're like, or like in their PR brain, it's, it's so wild, the disconnect, because obviously in Scientology, they like don't really believe in family. They just believe everyone's kind of like an eternal spirit. They don't think children are children. They think everyone just like is a being and like motherhood, fatherhood, childhood, like none of those are concepts that Scientology really acknowledges, but in their PR brains to be like, it looks weird for a dad to disconnect from his daughter. They had to like kind of break code or whatever, break policy. What is their like word <laughs> which also which also um sort of i was about to say like on my feminist soapbox if you think so when nicole kidman won her award a couple of years ago whatever and she thanked keith urban and she thanked sunday roast whatever the child's called sunday rose and um 
and I can't think what the little one's called. She thanked them, all the press. Well, bear in mind, like all the a- negative press around Tom Cruise and Scientology, all the press are what a terrible mother Nicole Kidman is for not acknowledging her older children is it because she hates them because they're adopted is it because she hates them because they're Scientologists is it because she doesn't care about them because they're older now she only cares about her kids with Keith Urban and it's like you know what like and it's because she's out of respect for them and she said in interviews you know I don't talk about them because they don't want me to god and I mean I will say who did we just read Oh, Lynn Spears. We just read the Lynn Spears book. And one thing I said that I'm like, I give her credit for it is she goes, nobody ever says it's a stage dad. And I have to say, you look at like the Britney Spears situation now where her dad's the conservator. I mean, still no one would call him a stage dad. It's always harder to be a mom. I mean, every book. That's actually something I really liked about Lee Remney's book is that she kind of, she's like, I'm not a perfect mom. I try my best. There's things I love doing. I love to provide. I love to, she goes, I make money. I pay the bills. I put a house over my daughter's head and I love her. I don't like to get in the club and play. Yeah, Yeah. and I'm like, good for you. She's the only person we've met so far that's been honest about that, and I really respected it. Yeah, that's it. We always talk about how, like, in these books, like, the worst, worst capital number one offense is being a bad mom, and no one can do anything to admit. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a man's world, isn't it? But um, I can't remember what I was saying now about moms in books and stuff. But it is, I think it is hard, and I think, you know, it is... I don't know. There's just so much judgment. There's a lot of judgment out there for moms exclusively and very little judgment out there for dads. Oh, that's what I was going to say. What you said about like people who are like, oh, I just love being a mom. It's amazing. So um, I've got a group of friends who all three of us don't have children. I have lots of friends that do have children. And like, I've always planned that if I don't meet someone, I'll have a baby on my own. And I'm very happy with that. Um, I think now I've got it into my head. It'd be hard for me to have a baby with someone because I'm like, no, I'm going to have a second. Um, and I've, I've promised them that I will never, ever be that person. It's like, but girls, you don't actually know what love is until you have a child. <laughs> and your life isn't actually complete until you have a child. Um, so I love that Leah was a bit like, yeah, it, like she doesn't stop crying. Um, I want to, she wants to play Barbies in the bath. I'm like, mine's tired now. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of ways you'd be a good mom. I mean, Leah was the breadwinner, so the dad can, can yeah. go play with the, the kid. Or, you know what? The kid can get its own friend. Fucking make a friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to say one of the things that I think is, like, interesting, and people are like, how do you get sucked into this, is that there are there is good in it. In some, like, there has to be a little bit of good, or you wouldn't have gotten sucked in. And I was thinking something about Leah's experiences because of Scientology. She never did drugs and it seemed like she very rarely drank because they have a rule. You can't drink 24 hours before going to the church and you're going to the church six days a week. So that leaves very little time to be drinking. And I do think in that way, it probably made her very present or not. I don't want to say present. I actually don't know if she's present because she's always thinking about the church. But I do think like in that way, there's one positive. She is not a Hollywood actress who is addicted to drugs or alcohol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I remember her saying in the, in the TV show, she was like, um, I, you know, people say like, oh, were you a good Scientologist? And she's like, well, I, I was with that, what's Kevin's last name, the guy who was in King of Queens? Oh, Kevin James. Oh, Kevin James. Kevin James. She was like, you know, people would say like, well, how haven't you got Kevin James? In? Apparently very early on, he was very like, look, I appreciate that's your religion. It's, I'm a Catholic. I'm never going to change from being a Catholic. So let's just be friends on a deeper level than that. Yeah. I mean, it's very... And you, like, see that she saw the cracks in that, too. Like, in the fact that she was like, I always wanted to, like, hide it at work because I didn't want them to think it's weird. It's like, she obviously knew it was weird. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. Well, let's... Oh, my God, we've been talking for, like, an hour and a half. Should we wrap it up? Do you have any final words on final favorite stories? Or have you seen The King of Queens? I, I used to so this is so whenever I try and tell people about this book, everyone's like, "Who's Leah Remini?" I'm like, <laughs> "So we have a cha- so when we were kids in your bedroom, you only really had four channels, and on channel four in the mornings, they used to do an episode of Friends, an episode of King of Queens, and an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh my god! So while we were getting ready for school, they'd be on. So I'd be like. King of Queens. No, I don't know. I'm like, you do know it. It was on After Friends. Before uh, everyone loves Raymond on Channel 4. No, don't know. I'm like, yes, you do. Um, so, so oh, that's, I, 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 so funny. I didn't watch it religiously, yeah, but, you but I, I, do, I do know it. Um, but yeah, I think, like, like I said, it is probably the best book I've ever read. Um, and I still stand by this. Um, I 
just I think just for keeping me engaged keeping me still talking about it two years later mm-hmm. the fact that when we connected because I put a tweet out saying I've discovered this podcast I'm totally obsessed um I did the same today about red table talk so I'm awaiting a yeah. tweet from Jada <laughs> and an invite uh presently um but when we started messaging one of the first things I said was if you ever do Leah Remini's book like I'm there um and I think yeah I just I would say to everyone if you're interested in documentaries read it like take it on vacation with you it is a documentary in book form mm-hmm. yeah like, and I mean, then it's so good and it's the pace that which is written is I blew through it I like read it as I couldn't believe how quickly I was reading it and she packs so much stuff we haven't even gotten into it. she gives really good insight into her life as an actress and that experience mm-hmm. yeah she she's really incredible at pacing out like details and specific stories and also intertwining like an entire religion. She explains an entire religion. Yeah, yeah. and it got me but to people fucking obsessed with Scientology. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, but to people who comment on my posts who are like, "Oh yeah, I've wa- like I'll watch the TV show," or like, "Don't it, it can't it's it's in chronological order." So the book you need to read the book because in the TV show she doesn't really cover like how she got into it, like sort of what she did at the Sea Org. And I'm so glad I read it again because when I was watching the TV show. I kept thinking, wait a minute, how did she get... I, can't, I couldn't remember how she got from cleaning the hotel rooms in the Sea Org in Clearwater to LA. So I'm yeah. so glad I again. So you need to read the book, then watch the TV show, and then listen to the podcast. Like, it's done in that order for a reason, and you shouldn't do, do, defy the reason, okay? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's worth it. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much. for. We're not going to hang up. I just want to say goodbye on so that we have something cute for the... Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and talking and bringing this book to our attention. And I feel like you're a wealth of freaky deaky religion knowledge. <laughs> Please don't fair game me or, um, like burn me from Utah or anything. Like I do want to come over next year. Where can people find you and what can they listen to? So I would say just come on, come and follow me on Instagram. It's amyheartxo. Um, I'm also on Twitter, but I tend to stay away. So Instagram is probably the place. Um, there's no airs and graces. I do a lot of no makeup uh, stories, and I just say what I feel really. Um, and yeah, I do, and I always share stuff on there, what I'm doing, where I am. Um, but I'm bringing out my own podcast. But you'll be able to find that if you follow me on Instagram. Perfect. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Thank you so much. And, and if and if you've watched Love Island before and you're like, oh, why would I want to follow Love Island? I can promise you, like, I'm baffled on how I got onto Love Island <laughs> because I'm not uh, a typical Love Islander, as you've probably heard from this podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, what a segue. So we'll just can. How did you get onto Love? Do you mind if we just ask you a couple of Love Island no, questions? No. Wait, I'm gonna stop and then restart. We'll put these Love Island secrets out on the Patreon and everybody else. Love you. See you next time. <laughs>